Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. Again, I just love when it is blue skies and sunshine here in Chicago. We're heading over to New York to talk to our next guest. We are going to speak with Chris Colbert, who's the CEO and founder of DCP Entertainment. He has so many podcasts that he's involved in and so many projects, but he is also the host of Entrepreneurial Struggle. Struggle. Let's let's laugh right away, Chris. He said we're going to do this live with no errors. The, 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 yeah, the, the name is a struggle. Like I, I, I saying the word entrepreneur, I feel like I trip up on that word all the time. I don't know why I picked the title. I can barely say myself. Well, that's great. We're going to leave that. We're not editing that out. But hey, Chris, why don't you tell the audience in your own words some of the wonderful things that you deliver to the world today? Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, DCP Entertainment is one of the, the platforms that I have. I actually own another company called Podstream Studios where I'm recording this here. Um, but DCP Entertainment is all about these underrepresented communities and conversations. So really giving a platform to people of color, women, LGBTQ plus communities, uh, people with disabilities, and a lot of focus on like mental and emotional well-being. And so we have shows like Torre Show. You know, Torre used to be a big name on MTV and VH1, and he actually now has stuff on the Grio. But he's doing this show with us, all you know, talking about Black excellence, interviewing people in entertainment industry, law. Uh, business just across the board. We have people like Danielle Moody and Wajahat Ali who are regulars on MSNBC and are just great minds when it comes to the political and social uh, landscape. And so they do a show with us called Democracy-ish and also Woke AF. Um, but we also have shows that are more documentary based. We did um, a documentary series. Uh, it was actually sponsored by Remy Martin called Who Was Prince? Um, this is like the most in-depth documentary you'll ever get on Prince. Um, and so Who Was Prince? We did with Torre, but also I host some programs. So in addition to Entrepreneur Struggle, I host a documentary series, co-hosted actually with my chief operating officer, Adele Coleman. It's called Say Their Name, mm. where we really go around the country interviewing families impacted by police violence and not just focusing on the the bad situation that happened but it's also important if not more important that we focus in on the stories of memorializing these individuals you know what was their sense of humor like what was their career trajectory what is lost without them being here what was that family dynamic that they had because i think to truly understand and empathize with these families we need to truly understand their family dynamic and that allows us to see our own loved ones within these stories our own stories within these you know unfortunate you know situations situations that have happened. And so, you know, we do a little bit of everything when it comes to our content, but we have a really strong focus on these underrepresented communities and conversations. Well, Chris, I'm so excited to speak with you because I kind of have three tracks of questionings and I want to share that for our listeners so they kind of know what to expect and where we're going to go. And and one is certainly I want to talk about uh, your founder's journey and the journey you've been on and, um, and things that you've learned as a business owner. But also this concept of, of how to help businesses tell their stories, because I think the way that businesses, quite frankly, need to approach content needs to change, right? We went through this big, you know, content revolution, but now what we have is we have a flood of, of content that's not meaningful and doesn't 
pull at the heartstrings. So I'd love to talk about that. And also just, you know, about some of the leadership lessons from entrepreneur struggle. See, I said it right that time. <laughs> um, and also <laughs> I'm going to drop, I am going to send you after this interview, a picture of me in the, in Dove's Cry bathtub from, uh, <laughs> <laughs> from uh, the Prince experience that I, I went to. Um, no, um, you do, you do absolutely fabulous work and, and represent, um, so, so much. But there's a lot. And, and I always tell our listeners, if you're, if you're near a computer, go take a look. Chris's uh, site, dcpofficial.com. That will give you more background on what we're talking about. But, you know, give us just a little bit of history that, led up to your values in both founding this business? Yeah, so I started my career at Sirius XM Radio. And actually, it was Sirius Radio. But I was there through the merger with XM. I was there through the recession. I was there through natural disasters. I was there for 11 years. um, And I got to see the company itself changed, but also myself, I was starting as an intern, I worked my way uh, up to the director of urban talk and comedy, which is the politically correct way of saying I ran black and Latino programming <laughs> talk programming for Sirius XM. And so like throughout that journey, I you know went up the corporate ladder. And my goal was to be a program director. So I can really, you know, run a channel, mm-hmm. create opportunities for people. And I, you know, got that within the first four to six years of my career. And so now it was all right, what's next? And what's next was less about a personal mission in terms of title and now became the kind of impact that I want to have in the industry. Again, creating opportunities, but can I create opportunities that are, are truly equal? So I say that to say not just at SiriusXM, but across the media landscape. I was just noticing that, particularly for Black people and people of color, but then I saw in other communities, you know, all those communities we talked about before, LGBTQ+, women, so on and so forth, that even if these people got a show or, you know, we're speaking to these communities it's not given the same level of talent booking and marketing and and press that say a white cis male heterosexual, you know, led program would get. And so, you know, I tried to change that internally at a major company and realized that it's really not necessarily doable. Um, And at least not on the scale that I could have if I went out and did this on my own. And so that was really the precipice for deciding, all right, I need to create a company that can do just that. And so that was the idea for DCP Entertainment and why we focus on those communities. And it's not just to, you know, bring in all this great talent so we can make a lot of money. Yes, I'm a for-profit company. I want to make a lot of money. And so that is part of the strategy. Um, But it's also to showcase that these other major companies or even other smaller companies should take a chance. And I'm using air quotes for those who are not listening. They should take a chance on these communities because it's going to actually benefit your bottom line. So if we can show showcase that we can make money, we can thrive within these ecosystems, others are going to follow suit. And that's going to also allow us to create opportunities for others. So even as we're rising, we're not just waiting till we get to the top to pull everybody else up. We're constantly trying to pull everybody else up with us as we rise, because, you know, as they say, you know, rising tides lift all boats. I truly believe that, especially in this on-demand ecosystem of digital media, whether it be podcasting Mm -hmm. or you know, digital video through YouTube and things like that. So yeah, that's kind of where uh, my core values in starting DCP came from. No, I really appreciate that. One of the key values we have at Disruptive CEO Nation is that we have to have global conversations. We need to get people out of their prefix mindsets that your best business ideas or your best business partner could be in the most surprising location that you never thought of. And I just... I love the fact that people can help change the narrative um, 
and as you said, shine the spotlight on on different things. Um, when did you actually make this wonderful leap and start DCP Entertainment? So there's lots of dates I can use for that. So I'll, <laughs> I'll give you a few of them. I will say that when I normally talk about it, I say like we started in 2018, 2019. But 2015 is when I established the company through an LLC. I'm somebody who's, I never just jump into something. I want to make sure it's properly planned out. So I started the LLC in 2015, but I took the next two to three years figuring out what kind of lawyers am I going to need? What, you know, once I have the lawyers, what are the kind of agreements I'm going to need to have? What are all the budgets that I'm going to need? I actually changed the idea of what the company was going to be at a certain point. Early on, I mm. was going to be a video documentary company because I wanted to do this homeless documentary that I still want to do. And so that was going to be how I started. I was going to start it kind of grassroots. I just, you know, kind of like Issa Rae did, just use digital media and like my own platform to kind of create uh, an opportunity for DCP Entertainment and build the brand. But before I could go all in and do that, I got hired away to a podcast company called Cadence 13. And that happened in 2017. And so when I went there, I said, well, I want to let you know, I am only doing this as a stepping stone to create my company, DCP Entertainment. And on top of that, I'm ready to already start that. So I'm not going to sign a non-compete because I'm going to be working on my company in the background. And you're only getting me on loan from one to three years. And they said, cool, they were fine with it. But at least I was upfront and I was intentional about how I was going to set up this relationship. And so then in the background, I was able to kind of amass, uh, you know, some ideas for how we're going to pivot this. And now being in the podcast industry, I realized the opportunities that are here for creativity. You know, it's serious. When I first started, we were building stars. We weren't just buying stars, which is kind of the model for SSM, SXM now. Um, and so like that creativity kind of got lost. Well, podcast, mm. I, I could see it again. And also here's this landscape that is still so young relatively to the rest of the media industry. So all those goals that I talked about in terms of creating equity, well, you know, we're at a precipice where we can actually create the change before it becomes a major issue. Before we get to the point of Oscars too white or things like that, we can course correct now and I can be a part of that change. And so that's where I pivoted DCP to, to being more of a podcast first company. And so that was in 2017 going into 2018. Um, and so that's where in like June 2018, I realized that now was the time to go all in, which also was predicated because when I was that serious, I work with a lot, of, a lot of major people, a lot of major brands. I started and ran Jamie Foxx's radio station. I worked with George Carlin's family and created a radio station for him. Um, I worked with the White House. I worked with multiple different big brands. And I never knew what these people were working with me or working with the marquee, Sirius XM. But when I left, I had people like Jamie Foxx reaching out to me, Wayne Brady, Joy Reid, some others to say, Chris, I heard you left Sirius. Now we can really work together. Ah. And that, that then allowed me to understand my own worth and realize, why do I keep bringing these relationships or bringing my talents that establish these relationships to other companies when I have my own thing? So that gave me that last piece of confidence to say, I have value here. Let me bring this to my own company and take the chance on myself. I love that. One of the things I said at the beginning was this battle to be, you know, content supreme and I think there has to be a change and you somewhat alluded to this. So I think it's a nice segue. Companies have been e easily able to be like, Oh, we have a company podcast or we have a company newsletter or we have, and they do it internally. And I think when people do it for themselves and do it internally, they're not challenged to make it better. They're not challenged to think enough about the audience. And so one of the things that you do is 
as you said, is, is this production house side. And, and I think businesses need to change the way they look at creating content. So I was wondering if you could, I know, I don't know if you can share with us because I know you also have a, a new exciting project that you've just landed, but what are your thoughts on this idea of how businesses need to rethink about their content? Yeah. So, you know, you alluded to, we, uh, we just announced the new podcast. Well, I say we announced, but it's also out there for you to ingest. So make sure you also check this out, uh, a show called Roundabout. And this is a branded podcast for State Farm. And, you know, I think in the past, when I used to think about branded podcasts, it's like, oh, it's just going to be an infomercial. And mm-hmm. to, it doesn't work. You know, yes, it might allow you to put out a splashy press release, but no one's going to listen. It's not really furthering your brand in any real, you know, tangible way. But what they did with Roundabout, I think, was so special. And this will, you know, allow me to get back to, to the full answer to your question, which is with Roundabout, instead of State Farm coming in and just being like, hey, we're just going to talk about State Farm for the next half an hour. It is, no, we we are a car company. And so car companies are all about travel and moving about. And there's stories that come along with that. So let's lean into the storytelling aspect. And so they partnered with ACAST, who brought us into this project, to say, all right, we're going to talk to podcast hosts and get their interesting, crazy fun stories from road trips. And so now you have a podcast that is entertaining, is something that you would just listen to whether it had State Farm's name on it or not, but now it has the State Farm marquee on it. So now when I tell people, oh, I'm listening to this Roundabout podcast, you're now furthering the the State Farm brand because when someone goes and checks it out, they see State Farm, it's now going to be present in mind. And or, hey, I might forget the name of the podcast and just be like, hey, there's the State Farm podcast out there that's really cool, really funny. So I think when you come from with that approach that State Farm did and uh, Shante Howe, who who runs a lot of the branded work at ACAST, she's great uh-huh. at helping pull this out of companies. I think it takes sometimes, and this gets back to what we do, it takes sometimes when a brand comes to you and says, I want to further my brand. How can I do that? You need to let them know, okay, what are your principles as a company? Who are the kind of people you're trying to reach? And what are the kind of stories that you think uh, that your audience, that you know, your your future clients would have? And then you lean into those potential stories as a way to now reach the clients that you want to have and or supersede the audience that you already have. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's the best way of going out branded work. We've also worked with, you know, Dell for uh, things like this. You know, Dell wanted to do an activation on one of our shows. It's like, well, Hey, let's interview black small businesses because black mm-hmm. small businesses or small businesses in general are going to use Dell. And so, hey, let's lean into that area. But they were specific that they want to reach a black audience. And so hence why working with us would be a great opportunity because of the strong black voices vertical that we have. So as a company, we know our leverage that we are a great production company. And so people come to us for that. But we also know specific niches. Black voices, LGBTQ voices, you know, and so by leaning into our niche, we're able to really help further the storytelling aspects for these other companies. No, I appreciate that. I I think, again, it's partnerships are so key and partners that will will challenge the way that you're looking at things are so key as you're building your brands and and moving things up. Hey, Chris, we were going to flip because this is only a, a under 30 minute podcast and I kind, <laughs> I, know, of wasn't, I kind of wasn't paying attention <laughs> to the time. Uh, no, one of the things I admire, all of these things that you you do do and put out into the world is you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and, and business builders. And I'm always curious, what do you find that people express when you when you talk about struggles? What is it that people express that they have the most difficulty with after kind of these years of talking to people and taking in these stories? 
Yeah. So, you know, entrepreneur struggle is, is where we have a lot of those conversations. A lot of that was born out of me trying to like figure out how to have better work-life balance and also feel less alone. Cause every time I talk to an entrepreneur, we always leave those conversations of, Oh my gosh, like I needed that and we need to do this more. And then. <laughs> No, we won't talk to each other for another six months because we get super busy. Yeah. But by having this show, we're able to, you know, purposely have these conversations. And yeah, there are certain things that come up on a regular basis. I think the biggest is like decision fatigue. That it just we constantly make so many decisions, whether they're small or big ones. But everything, especially when you're small, a small company, every decision feels like the weight of your shoulder. It feels like there's a, a tremendous weight on your shoulders that if you make the wrong decision, everything goes under. Um, so I think decisions fatigue is a big one. Um, I also think the the stress of the people who work for you, and I mean that in terms of like, you feel like not only you're taking care of yourself, you're taking care of your team. And so there's that stress of, again, if I make a mistake, or if I, uh, you know, just don't handle things properly, I am now hurting someone's ability to feed themselves or feed their family. Uh, and so I think that that latent stress there is is another big one. Um, and there's another one I'm, I'm trying to think of that, that is really prevalent, but, uh, there's just so many different areas that I think affects a lot of us. And, it, you know, some of them can be mm -hmm. very, uh, uh, industry specific, but I think a lot of times we are afraid to be open about these things because we're afraid clients or our own staff might look at us and be like, Oh, this is a sinking ship. I got to get off. This person is talking about how burned out they are. Well, what does that mean for my job? But we're only human and we all get burned out or we all get stressed out and, to be honest, I think if you are having these conversations openly and responsibly, you can maybe connect with your own team a little bit better by being open and honest, because maybe they're feeling the same way. And they're like, oh, you know what? Okay, I have, there's actually somebody at the, the at the head of this company or leading this company in some kind of way that gets me and also understands that this is, you know, this is tough. And also that, you know, they're being open and honest with me. I think there is that also that aspect too, that by lowering your guard, they feel more trusting of you uh, throughout the rest of your your dealings as a company or as a partner or something along those lines. You know, Chris, I completely agree with you because there's times where I'll walk out of a meeting with my management team and I'll be like, I'll beat myself up. I'll be like, oh, why did I say that? Like, is did it leave, leave the wrong signal or um, or whatnot? And it is, it's very stressful. I do appreciate what you're talking about, the transparency. And I think there's ways to do it. And I actually did it this week with my, my team and that I, I have this, thing called yellow flags and red flags. And I'm like, bring it into me and say, this is going to be a yellow flag. Like I've got it under control. I'm working it, but I'm telling you it's a yellow flag. So that if I walk in here and it's a red flag, you you've had a heads up. And I, I said, I, I always want to hear yellow flags and what you're thinking about it. And I said to my management meeting this week, I said, okay, my whole week is a yellow flag this week. And I said, it's different than when I'm like pre-board meeting or, or pre-special events when I'm working insane hours and my to-do list is really long. That's a different kind of stress than mm -hmm. a yellow flag. That's like, okay, it's a hard work period. I have a yellow flag this week because I have, as you said, decision fatigue. I have more things being thrown at me then I feel like I can get in front of and even get organized. And it was interesting because if you can articulate it to your team in the right way, we had a very fruitful conversation because I said, so what I'd like to know from you is what do you feel this week is your barrier to success mm. this week? And then we could all, you know, pull the curtain down and be transparent about this is what I'm struggling with 
this week and nobody, nobody's professionalism or performance was being questioned. So I really appreciate, you know, those points that you brought forward, Chris, because I, I, I think it's, you know, we spend so much time focusing on, on sales and marketing and, but it's the human relationship stuff that makes you leave your job or makes you say, I can't run this company anymore. Well, and I love how you said it. You definitely said it much more succinctly. And I love the flags thing. I might steal that because you're <laughs> absolutely right. There are sometimes I literally will tell my team because they might come to me on something. Like, Sorry, I can't today. I just, I literally don't have the brain space for this. If that comes in, 50 things just got pushed out. Um, but also I remember uh, the other thing that I, that I hear a lot from uh, uh, founders, which is, um, Oh, the the self-talk, negative self-talk is so hard to get away from because as founders or entrepreneurs or anybody who's maybe, you know, high up in their level, you know, C-suite level, we got there because we're ambitious. We got there because we're constantly Mm -hmm. analyzing how we can be better and do better and, you know, create better product or, or content, what have you. And that kind of thinking a lot of times has you focus so much on the negative and you don't necessarily celebrate the wins, whether they be small or big ones. And so that's the other thing that I hear a lot of. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the other thing on decision fatigue and is that changed my way of thinking is I had a number two who, who literally, I'm not sure her tactic was right, but she would look at the junior staff and she'd be like, I'm not your mother. What's, what's this right answer? You know, but this, this concept of, um, and I, I implemented this is like I said, yellow flag, red flag, Bring the red flag to me if you've made a mistake. Like I say, you're nobody in business to you've made your first $10,000 mistake and okay. have to fess up to it. Talk about pain, but bring the red flag or bring the problem, but try to teach your staff to bring two suggested solutions with it. Like, don't just, I'm paying you to be a director. I'm paying you to be a manager. Don't lay the problem at my feet without saying, here's, here's what I think we can do, or here's one way. I might, as the business owner leader, give a different recommendation, but I'm training people to help reduce my decision fatigue. Yep. And you're teaching them to be proactive. My team knows I have two favorite words, proactive and efficiency. Like those are my two favorite words. Yeah. Hey, Chris, I want to jump. Where is your, where is your studio location? Uh, we are in Times Square, 46 and Broadway, overlooking those iconic big red uh, stairs. Um, yeah, we were so fortunate to get in here as the pandemic was going on and people were kind of leaving this area in terms of businesses. We were able to get a, a nice rent in here. And now we, it's a space that we shoot our content. We also rent it out to other podcasters and creators. So, yeah, anybody listening to this podcast, you need a place to record your podcast. Podstream Studios, Times Square. We got you. Yeah. And talk about the the brand identity of of saying, you know, hey, I'm here in Times Square and I'm I'm going in and doing this. I mean, it's a great, I knew the answer before I asked the question. <laughs> it's a great location. Oh, um, yeah. And yeah. it's easy to do subways, all that. But also, like, if you're trying to have big guests, like, this is where the, the publicity hubs are. We're by MTV. We're by SiriusXM. HBO used to be over here. We have NBC. So this is the place to be. Well, and you're, you're 100% correct. Because when you're pitching a guest or when you want to do something really important in person, um, people get asked, particularly the more they're known in business, or as you said, the higher celebrity they have, they get asked all the time. Um, and people say yes to things for very different motivating factors. And if it's convenient for them, 
uh, you get to the yes a lot faster. Hey, Chris, I want to talk about, I like to ask my guests, you know, if we talk to you in two or three years, what's what's the vision? Where are you taking DCP Entertainment? Um, what's what's going to excite you in the future? Uh, well, we definitely have a lot of exciting things literally happening in the next few months. I can't talk about those just yet, but just know that in the next few months, you're going to see a lot of DCP uh, floating around in, in different spaces. Um, but I'd say they yeah, in like two years, three years. I'm really big on saying that we are a media company. We just happen to do a lot of podcasts, but we're all about creating content that's going to reach people where they are. And I see quickly evolving the virtual reality market. And so I, I think you're going to see our kind of content, whether it be us pr- producing original content or being a production house in that virtual space. I think, you know, whether it be the metaverse or some other kind of, you know, virtual platform, I think podcasting and or, you know, just content in general is going to find its way there. And we want to be at the forefront of that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I I think um, I sat in a workshop actually yesterday um, where they were talking about it's $50,000 just to build your own private like space in a VR environment. And I'm sitting there thinking, give it 24 months because it's not going to cost that price of entry is going to come down and we're all going to want to be able to do uh, change up the way we do events, change up the way we do um, client meetings, introducing clients to our products and services. Uh, there's The world will change very quickly. And he who is not paying attention will miss out. Yep. You want to be at the front of the train. If you try to come in on the back end, the algorithms are not going to help you out. You want to be at the front of that train. So you have all the all the power of the algorithms working behind you. Absolutely. Hey, Chris, if people want to reach out to you and connect with you and or find out more, where should they go and what should they do? They can go to the website, uh, as you mentioned before, dcpofficial.com. Um, that is also our handle for all social media, dcpofficial. Um, with the exception of TikTok, you can also follow us on TikTok. That's uh, dcp underscore pods. Um, but those are the best places to connect with us, with me. Um, you know, I... I myself get so busy now that I now have an assistant. So even if you, you know, use our contact page on the DCP website, um, that'll go to my assistant. I, I see everything um, that, that needs my attention. Um, and then if you are looking to book Podstream Studios, one, you can find that link on the DCP website, but you can also go to podstreamstudiostimesquare.com. Uh, so I'm sorry, you can go to podstreamstudios.com uh, to access the website for uh, Podstream Studios. Well, Chris, thank you so much. I'm so happy to have you in my business network. Oh, me too. I really appreciate you reaching out. I was very humbled that you, you know, asked me to, to be a part of this show. You've done an incredible job here. And I'm glad to be part of this like array of diverse voices from around the world. Oh, thank you, Chris. Hey, to our listeners, hey, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive and be sure you join us again next week. Bye, everyone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.